What is up, everybody? This is Adam. Welcome back to Fouled Out. Today, Matt is coming on to talk about week four of the NFL season. It's kind of crazy that we're already like almost at the quarter pull of the NFL season. It goes by so fast every year, but luckily we have an extra week this year, so we're not quite at the quarter pull yet. Before we get there, though, if you haven't had a chance, go check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash fouled out. Got a couple of great MLB podcasts as well as some college football podcasts up there getting you ready for uh, the next couple of weeks of the college football season, as well as the MLB playoffs, which are right around the corner. It should be a really fun playoffs there as well. Uh, but for now, Matt and I are on to week four. Let's go. All right, we are back. Matt is joining me from what looks to be the inside of an active volcano. Matt, are you staying cool over there? Uh, AC is broken, so. You know what, like, the best part of this is, is that every week Matt does a different visual gag, and it's it's just for me. Like, <laughs> he's just doing this for me, because this is not, like, a video podcast. This is purely audio except for like the social media breakouts we post on TikTok and on Instagram. And yet Matt puts in the work every week to come with like a new virtual background just for my enjoyment. And it's like, I feel like the last two weeks you didn't ask me on the air where I was because you were afraid of what my answer was going to be. Sometimes I just know and I'm sparing the listeners. But, you know, if you guys have a place that you want Matt to call in from, uh, hit me up at Fouled Out Sports with suggestions of what Matt's next virtual background should be. And maybe we'll make like some more videos and reply to you guys so that you can actually see where Matt is coming from. But uh, right now it looks pretty dangerous. I'm just watching like the lava flow behind Matt. So if I get distracted <laughs> during the podcast, uh, it's probably like the lava is kind of hypnotizing me here. That's how it catches you. It's like a fly flying into the light i love it i love it matt's a good friend like you're just he's just trying to make me laugh that's the whole point of this it's pretty great uh but we are here to talk about week four of the nfl season so i watched quite a few football games this weekend and it, some of the games got me thinking that like some teams are so frustrating to root for uh i think oh, that you, you, you think <laughs> You think? Mm. Uh, like, I can't I, think of one, honestly, truly. I watched the Lions because I start uh, Jared Goff's my starting quarterback in our fantasy league, which is just like has been like the best pickup of the season for me. Um, even though I lost to you by two points this week, which we'll we'll talk about a little bit later. But uh, so I watched the whole Lions game just to you know watch them lose forty eight to forty five. They were down forty eight to. 38 near the end of that game and i'm watching with my mom and my mom's like oh do you, will it help you if jared goff scores more points here for your fantasy team and i'm like yeah and i was like i guarantee that they're going to go down and score to make this 48 to 45 only to lose the game like i, I guarantee it and that's exactly what happened yep with the injuries on offense and um the thing that's Honestly, the, the media didn't cover nearly enough was uh, Tracy Walker towards Achilles. What Tracy Walker is for the Lions is 
that kind of like catch all safety who can do everything for you, which allows you to let your other defensive backs do what they do well. They started a rookie in his place who does not have that same skill set. And it was a rookie who had not played any snaps all season. I was expecting the defense to look pretty rough without Tracy Walker. I was not expecting them to not get a single stop. Um, although we could argue that they did get one stop, but the refs decided that that was apparently not a thing. They're like, no. The thing I learned this weekend is just to bet the over in perpetuity for the Lions games. Honestly, at this point, yeah, because our offense was borderline unstoppable. I even without Amon Ra and DeAndre Swift this weekend, like the yeah. offense still looked really good. Uh, but you guys have lost thirty-eight yeah. to thirty-five. You lost forty-eight to forty-five. So the only logical thing that could happen is that the Patriots beat you fifty-eight to fifty-five this weekend. I'm calling it right yeah, now. If you um, haven't already, go pick up Bailey Zappi in your fantasy leagues. He's putting up 58 this You know, weekend. it's not the worst idea. Although, if we do lose to Bailey Zappi, I'm going to lose my fucking shit. Uh, speaking of, so your team had a frustrating loss this weekend. My team yeah. had a frustrating loss uh, in overtime at Lambeau in a game that we had no business being in with no Mac Jones and then Brian Hoyer going down early. Uh, I thought Zappi handled himself well. I thought he Mm-hmm. made some good throws there. The thing that pissed me off was that the Patriots punted the ball away uh, on fourth and five from Green Bay's 46 with like six minutes left in the game. Yep. That punt ranked in the 99.4th percentile for like the surrender index since 1999. Yeah. It was one of like the most wimpy punts in the last 30 years. That that was a Tim Lester move. I will not let up on Tim Lester. Fire that man. Yeah, speaking of... Even though, like, the players seem to really like him, but, like, dude's not helping us team one. Yeah, like, it's cool the players like him, but being a coach is like being a parent. You can't just be your player's best friend all the time. (laughs) Right? (laughs) When you lose, like, by 30 to San Jose State out on the West Coast, like... Oh, speaking of frustrating, you know that Western is favored against Eastern this weekend by, like, four and a half points? I'm I'm not touching that. I know <laughs> why. Good God. So yeah. F- frustrating losses all over the NFL mm-hmm. for a lot of teams this weekend. Got me thinking, who is like the most frustrating team to be a fan of? In all of football. You'll be shocked. I do not have your team first on my power rankings. That's because you're not a fan of the team. No, you. I think you'll agree with me after I tell you what the power rankings are. Like, So I think people are going to disagree with me on a lot of these. And that's okay. If you guys have a different list, hit me up at Fouled Out Sports on Twitter. I, like, I do not have the Patriots on my list because I've accepted the fact my team is bad. And I think that a lot of people would be a lot less frustrated with their teams if they would just accept the fact that their team is bad. And it's like, it's okay. Jets fans, your team's bad. It's okay. Pittsburgh fans, your team is bad. That's fine. It's not frustrating to be like just bad, right? The Lions are on my list, and I'll tell you where they are shortly. Not because they're bad, but just because like the way they lose games is just... I don't even know what to say. We talk about it all the time, but they lose games in only ways that they can. 
Yeah, but, like both their fault and not their fault. Like, yeah, they just always lose. I felt this way with the Patriots this weekend. I watched that game and I was like, man, if Mac Jones had just played, we probably could have won that game in Lambeau. Wild thing is, is like you could make an argument that Bailey Zappi outplayed Aaron Rodgers in that game. You can like, and I, I will make that argument. <laughs> but like, I feel like that's the Lions all the time. Is it's always just like, oh man, if you know, if we weren't missing like Amon Ra St. Brown and DeAndre Swift, we would have won. Or if the ref didn't make up a phantom face mask, we would have won. I feel like that happens to the Lions more than any other team in the NFL. Yeah. Or just if the ref didn't say, oh, you know what? Uh, I think there is something wrong with the play clock. So you get a second, third, and 16 attempt. Just as many as like, you need, Seattle. You get as many as you like, need. Take your time. That that should be an immediate firing. Like, <laughs> you can't just give a team a second chance. Yeah, so if we were just talking about on-field only, the Lions would be my number one. I have two teams tied for first place for most frustrating team to root for. The Washington Fighting Georges, because you have to be owned by Dan Snyder, and the Cleveland Browns, because no matter what happens, you have this Deshaun Watson thing looming over you. Like, both those teams have bad histories. They both are not great, and then you also have to deal with the Dan Snyder and Deshaun Watson of it all. I see your argument, but what they're missing, well, I guess... But, uh, you know, okay, I take that back. Because Dan said has been the owner for a, a long time. Cleveland's always been Cleveland. I was going to say the longevity aspect of it, but. Uh, no, I, I really thought this through. The yeah. thing with Cleveland is like, the, the thing that's almost even worse with Cleveland is that you're finally like a pretty good team after all this time. Yeah. And then you go out and you do the Watson thing. Yeah, <laughs> it's like you just can't can't get over it. So those are my two that are tied for first place. Third place, I have yeah. the, third place is the Lions. We t- we talked about the on field of it all with the Lions and just the just never quite seems to work out for them. Yeah, I mean, it's it's always something, right? Like. A lot of things looked like they were in place this year, and then the injury bug ramps it up to 11, like, immediately. And then the things that you thought you had in place aren't in place, and then you start losing games in ways that only you can lose games. <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, it's yeah, if, frustrating. If it, like, if it was but, just purely on field and, like, getting screwed yeah. over and all that stuff, the Lions would be number yeah. one, hands down, by far. Well, but at the end of the day, we don't have anyone our, on our roster that is objectively a terrible human being. And we're not owned by someone who is objectively a horrible human being. Um, that you know good. of. Yeah, that <laughs> we know of. Still not good because they're billionaires, but um, at least like, you know, they aren't using their cheerleaders as, you know, prostitutes. So against their will. Washington and Cleveland are just like, 
I feel bad for a lot of their fans in a way. You know, you're always going to have that like minority of the fans, mm -hmm. like that vocal minority that's just like, oh, I don't care. Like Dan Snyder, you can't prove anything. Deshaun Watson wasn't indicted, blah, blah, blah. Like you'll, you'll have that vocal minority all the time. They're just like normal fans who have been fans of those teams for a long time because they grew up there. Their parents were fans of them. And it's like, you just got to deal with this shit every year. Here's my thing, though. Like, these are the kinds of things where I'm actually okay with someone saying, like, yep, nope, I'm good. I'm washing my hands of this franchise. I will find another franchise to root for because I don't need this in my life. And those people are choosing to stay a fan of that franchise. So, like, I get that nobody does that, but at the same time, they have the choice to do that and they choose not to. So, yeah, so I agree with you that, you know, like, I am the number one most strict person in the entire world about like switching teams that you root for. Mm -hmm. You gotta, you pick your teams when you're 10 years old and you let them make you miserable for the rest of your life. That's how it goes. I, and so I'm, th this is a case where I agree with you. I'm completely fine with people switching teams. If you're a fan of one of those two teams yeah. or, you know, other teams that have had issues like that, I'm fine with that. I, I don't think it's like that easy though, for people to just make that decision when you've been yeah. a Browns fan for 15, 20 years where no matter how much you say like, okay, I'm washing my hands of it. I'm done with it. I don't support this team anymore with the decisions they've made. Sunday start coming around mm -hmm. and you see like Jacoby Brissett out there and the team is like playing pretty good and you're beating the Steelers yeah. and you're like, yeah, like, okay. Like, you know, Deshaun Watson's not out there. And those are the people I feel bad for. Cause you're just going to have this fucking thing yeah. looming over you for like the next five to six years. Yeah, no, it's, it's not easy, but like, it is an option, you know, it, it's, it's such a unique situation that I don't think it's something that anyone's ever like mentally prepared to do, but yeah, I mean, I guess that would be the thing that I would feel bad for them for is that even if they did take their moral stance on it, there's always going to be that last thread like connecting you to them. I mean, those are pretty much my rules on switching teams is your team either has to relocate to a different city or you have to trade for a guy who potentially assaulted 24 women. <laughs> <laughs> those are the two ways out. So I, I had the Lions third. My team that is, I had fourth. And this is purely just based on like the last couple years. And I, I think that this is, I'm going to get a lot of pushback from you and I'm going to get a ton of pushback from everybody who listens to this podcast. I, I have the Baltimore Ravens. I'll, I'll make the case for you real quick before everybody starts pushing back. So just this year alone, you have one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, one of the most exciting mm -hmm. talents in the NFL, and you could just kind of refuse to work something out with him. And you're letting yeah. him play out the season without a contract. Like yeah. you're... Best quarterback in franchise history. Hands down. Yeah. Already. One of the most dynamic players in the league. He's balling out. And I know, I know we're going to get to the loss against the Bills this weekend in a second. And you just like, you're just fine with him playing out the season. <laughs> we're, we're just going to roll into free agency. That's totally cool. 
even aside from that, if you're the Ravens, like we're just talking about on-field stuff, you've now lost three games in the last two years to like decent teams just based on the fact that your coach is like, fuck it, we're just going to go for it. You had the two back-to-back games last year where you go for it on, you know, whatever the fourth down was in the fourth quarter. They also went for two, like two games in a row, and they missed both of those, if you remember those from last year. Yep. Cost them a playoff spot. We saw it again this weekend where, you know, it's fourth and goal. They can kick the field goal to go ahead, or they can go for it, and they go for it to try to get a touchdown and get intercepted in the end zone, which is like the worst thing that can happen when you're fourth and goal from the five going in. Because if you don't get it, you're like, oh, at least they're going to have the ball at like the three, right? And they got to go the whole length of the field and get a field goal. And just like the worst thing happens, Lamar tries to make a play and it just doesn't work. The other aspect of this is that like under Lamar Jackson, I feel like the Ravens are the most successful regular season team to not have postseason success aside from the Green Bay Packers. Yeah. And I think that's got to be incredibly frustrating that like no matter how good you've been, you lose to like the six seed Titans. You lose to the Chargers when they play eight DBs. You lose to the Bills where you can't get anything going. So I think over the last couple of years that they've been like particularly infuriating to root for for a lot of reasons. As soon as you said that, I... I didn't hate it all that much. Um, I don't know if I would have them number four, but, you know, to kind of piggyback on that, also, like, they've they found their quarterback years ago and have not done nearly enough to get him weapons on the outside. Like, Bateman has shown some promise this year, you know, actually getting some run, but... Like, outside of that, Hollywood was probably, like, the only other real investment that they made at that position. And, you know, they traded him away. So, (laughs) it's like... That adds to it, too, is that he's actually playing really well in Arizona. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've lost kind of how many times I've said it on this podcast, but, like... I feel like a lot of that just comes down to the fact that they do not have a well-crafted passing game in their offensive playbook. And while their running game is incredibly innovative and like hands down, probably the best schemed running offense in the NFL Although you can actually make an argument that the Lions are pushing up on that. As good as their running game is, their passing game is like that bad in terms of like scheme. It shows every time they make the playoffs. There's only so much that Lamar, Lamar Jackson can do when the playbook that he's playing with is just not up to par with the NFL. Because NFL defensive coordinators are too smart to, you know, be given like high school level passing concepts. Obviously, there's going to be people who disagree with me and be like, oh, my God, try being a Giants fan or like a Jets fan or like, well, but just accept that your team sucks and you'll be fine. Like, 
I, I did the segment last week. Let your soul die. Accept the fact that your team is bad and you'll be fine. It's not a big deal. The Ravens like Dennis system you because yeah. they inspire hope only to shit the bed right. on the big stage. So I think that's actually worse than just being perennially bad. It's just anytime you get your hopes up, you just take a giant shit. Well, and it, also the thing with Lamar's contract this year, you've got to think about how scary that is to watch him play this year because, hey, he's playing lights out. There's going to be suitors for him this offseason. They're always going to be, but like they're going to come hot <laughs> now. And, you know, the go to move for them is just going to be franchise him right away, right? But what if he, you know, tears an ACL in December? Well, that's not going to stop people, people from calling. But are you going to franchise tag a guy who's going to miss a large part of your season? or at least be hampered for a large part of your season. The scary thing too, is that you could franchise tag him, but how many guys have we seen in recent years who are like, you franchise tag me, I'm just not going to play. Yeah. Until we get this contract worked out. And so you have this like whole thing just hanging over your season. And so like, it's got to be so hard to enjoy Lamar right now as a Ravens fan, because you're just like, oh, God damn it. Like, I do not want to see him in Honolulu blue and silver next year. Right. Because... you're going to like (laughs) you had best uh (laughs) as as well as jared goff has played he's actually tied with lamar jackson for touchdowns this season um two qb system in detroit it it would make a lot of sense like he's on the he is on the path to being in to winning another mvp if he wins an mvp and they franchise tag him. He has all the power in the world to just say, I'm not playing under franchise tag. Yeah. And there's, you know, 20 other teams that'll be happy to pay him. So right. uh, I think it's tough, man. I think it's tougher to be a Ravens fan than those guys get credit for. <clears throat> the thing that really made me think of it was that they lost again on like this fourth down two point conversion, like all this, like we're yeah. going for it bullshit. And I just sat there and I was like, that's so Raven. Play me off keyboard, cat. Uh, I get... would punch you if this laptop wasn't so valuable. <laughs> uh, and the fire, the lava in the background keeps going over your fist, so I'm going to get like fire punched. Let me give you one more team. I don't have this team fifth, but a team that was like surprisingly high on my rankings. I'm, I'm not going to go over all of them, mm-hmm. but uh, the Indianapolis Colts, I think, are surprisingly infuriating to root for. Think about it this way. You had the quarterback. And then he retires early, just in time for you to get everything else outside of quarterback. Like you have everything you need outside of quarterback to compete for a Super Bowl, theoretically, the last couple of years. And you just, it's just like been a carousel of band aids trying to replace Andrew Luck. It's like, okay, we're going to, you know, 40 year old Philip Rivers and then over the hill Carson Wentz. And now like Matt Ryan does not look good. And it's like, we're just going to, it's got to be so annoying because you got to be sitting there thinking like, God damn it. If Andrew Luck had just not retired, we finally would have been good for the first time since Peyton. Over the hill Carson Wentz in his mid twenties. That's it. It was a small hill. That's got to drive you insane. And you know, 
Matt Ryan looked fine last year, right? And you weren't really going to ask a lot out of him this year. And so expectations were pretty high. And they just continue to be in that position of this year it looks a little different. But, you know, they were always, uh, you know, quarterback away, right? Well, now you're not a quarterback away because nothing's working. So I know. Well, that was kind of the that's the reason they've been throwing on the band-aids for the last couple of years is they're just like, we're just a quarterback away. We just got to find yep. one. And like they were pretty good with Rivers. They gave Buffalo all they could handle yeah. in that playoff game with Philip Rivers. So I get it. But I just think that like there are quarterbacks who are just kind of available every year. You know, and we we see them all. We saw them all this past yeah. week. There's like Baker Mayfields and the Marcus Mariotas and the Carson Wentz's. And there, there's just kind of like these mediocre guys who like if we did the quarterback rankings, they're probably in like the 20 to 30 range. You know, they're they're nothing special. They're kind of yeah. guys who, you know, and some of them are veterans who have had some past success like Matt Ryan. Mm-hmm. But I just think that that is like the worst place to be in as an NFL team is being a team. You don't have an elite quarterback. You don't have a young quarterback you're developing. You're not bottoming out. You're just kind of in purgatory because your team is too good to be bad, but too bad to be good. And so you got to yeah. keep slapping these band-aids on your team. Like we're seeing it in Washington with the fighting Georges. Mm-hmm. We're seeing it in Carolina with the mad yep. cats. I'm we saw him in Denver again. Like they thought they went out and got a big fish and it is not working out. Yeah. They obviously don't listen to this podcast. <laughs> they would have known. <laughs> they would have known not to go trade for Russell not, Wilson. Not even you thought he would be this rough. No. You know, what's funny though, is that when that trade was made, People were like, oh, my God, that's all Seattle got back for Russell Wilson. Yeah. And like, go look at that now. And you're like, <laughs> I think people would be like, damn, they got fleeced. They got all that for Russell Wilson. Yeah. Wow. Uh, plus, you yeah. get to start. You get to start Geno Smith, who's like the next coming. Finally, the year 10 renaissance. I I would have. Obviously, I'm biased, but I would have never said that I felt like Russell Wilson's value should be higher than Stafford's. But, uh, you know, people don't always like to base it off of the quality of play that you see on tape. So that I think it's hard for people sometimes yeah. to kind of move on past their preconceived notions of a quarterback. Yep. Where it's like, yes, Russell Wilson was very good. <laughs> like I, yeah. I did the whole thing in the AFC West pod is that he's just, you know, our AFC West preview pod. He's just not the same guy he used to be. And like credit to you too. You talk about this with Aaron Rodgers all the time is that mm-hmm. one of the things that made these guys so good is like, they're not necessarily always the mobility to move outside of the pocket, but the ability to make plays with their legs uh, in the pocket yeah. and in the backfield to set them up to make the good throw. And Russell Wilson can't do that anymore. No, I mean, does he have some? Yes, but like, even just looking at his face now, like you can, he looks chubbier. And I don't know if that's like 
him not taking care of his body or if it's just like father time catching up to him or what but like he just doesn't look like you know the top athlete that he used to be and the the game plan has always been with with Russ well if we can keep him in the pocket then we can you know, control the game and he won't hurt us so much because he has trouble seeing inside the pocket because he's small. Now that he can't move so well, it's not that hard to keep him in the pocket. So it's quite frankly just sad to see because like while I was never a Seattle guy, like his game was objectively fun to watch. And it's just not there anymore. Yeah, it's tough. And so like watching all these guys this past weekend, all these like mediocre quarterbacks, all these bad mm-hmm. quarterbacks, maybe guys who are a little bit over the hill, like Russell Wilson uh, and Carson Wentz, who's like celebrating his 28th birthday. It just made me think like, you know, when do you make the change from your bad quarterback to your maybe like a better option or just maybe whoever else is there just to see what you got? Mm-hmm. I mean, we saw the Steelers do it this week. They finally, finally went from Mitch Trubisky to Kenny Pickett. And I saw that change. And like as excited as I was that Pickett's finally going to take over because I bitch about this every single week. I actually I think Tomlin just really wants Kenny Pickett to fail. Because he's like, all right, Kenny, you're the starter next week. Have fun playing the Buffalo Bills. With the yeah. worst offensive line in football. Like, he's trying Jesus to set this Christ. kid up for failure, man. You couldn't have made him the starter yeah. before the Jets game. Yeah, you like you throw him in mid-game and he throws three picks and he gets to follow up that game with the Buffalo Bills. Yeah, I was, you know, doing some Twitter before we jumped on here, and one of my retweets was about Jordan Poyer. Like, he gets to go up against Jordan Poyer. In his first NFL start. That's not fair. Could have just started like Trubisky one more game. (laughs) Like let Trubisky have that one and then make get Kenny like a better opponent for his first start. Min mini rant here. Uh I truly believe that the reason that Jalen Ramsey is more of a household name than guys like Jordan Poyer is the fact that we don't get to watch games in all 22 because he is objectively a better player than Jalen Ramsey. And it's not very close. Also, Jalen Ramsey is washed. <laughs> Even when like... Ramsey was like at his peak, I would take prime Jordan Poyer. Yeah, Poyer is incredible. Yeah, um, he's but so easily like a top three safety for me. Yeah. Agree. And it's it's super fun to know that that guy's in my division. Super fun. <laughs> <laughs> uh so, I mean, Trubisky was like the first domino to fall, but you have guys like Baker Mayfield who's out here sporting a 15.3 yeah. QBR. Uh, Wentz is like the funniest thing to me was that after the first two weeks of the season when the Fighting Georges had played the Jaguars and the Lions, people were like, Wentz, Carson Wentz is the hot fantasy football pickup. Go get him, add him on waivers. You need Carson Wentz. And I, that's the week I picked up Goff. I was like, oh, no. I was like, I'm not doing that. <laughs> I'd rather have Jared Goff. Uh, and Wentz has been bad. So, like, when do you make the move to see, like, okay, you know, if you're Washington, you got 
Taylor Heineke and you got Sam Howell, who you just drafted, like how early is too early to make the move to Sam Howell here? I mean, he had a good preseason. Like, can we, can we see what the kids got or do we have to give Wentz some more time? I think give it to like week six or seven. And I say that not from the standpoint of like, we need to give Wentz more time. While I have defended him in the past, uh, at this point, there has been too long of a track record of him struggling like this. And I just don't see that turning around unless he has quite a bit of time riding the pine. Uh, I will say that it makes sense to give uh, Sam Howell <laughs> just a little bit more time, like getting comfortable with the offense, uh, seeing like live game speed at the NFL um, down on the sideline to kind of like make him maybe be a little bit more ready for when he takes that first snap because it is different. And that is not the same as the preseason. It's fair. I just, I guarantee you, I'm not the only person who's seen yeah. too much Carson Wentz already. Oh, for sure. I'm, I'm just saying like the decision should be made. It's just a matter of when you make the actual move. Yeah. But I just feel like it's too late. A lot of times with these guys, it's yeah. like, we'll wait all the way until like week. 13 or something and be like, oh, okay, yeah. yeah, we're officially out of the playoffs. Now we're going to make the move. And it's like, I'd rather just get how more experience and see what you got there. So, you know, if you right. need to draft a quarterback this off season or not. Yeah. I mean, imagine if you like, were still in the playoff race and the guy that you made the move to played better and he got you into the playoffs and he got playoff experience as a rookie. Wow. Imagine that would be nice. Yeah. I just feel like we fall into this trap so much where we bring in you know like the commanders officially get eliminated from the playoffs and then they bring in howell and howell has like two or three games and they're like good and they're like oh man like we don't need to draft a quarterback we need to start building around sam howell and then they come back the next season it turns out like oh yeah he's not that good and you can't do it over the course of a 17 game season yeah you know i think about like uh, here's an example that I hit home for you the season where like jim bob cooter took over as offensive coordinator Mm-hmm. for the Lions. I'm just bringing this up because it's a fun name to say. And the offense was like incredible down the stretch. And it was just like going yeah. into the next season. We were all like, damn, like the Lions offense going to be incredible under yeah. Jim Bob Cooter. And it, it just wasn't great. So I feel like we fall for that trap. So I'd rather see more Sam Howell than less. Uh, yeah. and I, I will warn Carson Wentz. I've already taken down Mitch Trubisky this season. And I'm coming for you. Yeah, I mean, you you definitely need time for there to be tape on you and for teams to actually, like, know what your game is and have a game plan for you as a player to actually measure where you're at in the NFL. Because if you play six games at the end of the season and look great and then you struggle at the start of the next year, well, yeah, they had all offseason to get ready for what you were, and you did not get any better, apparently. So I agree. Like, you you got to make it sooner than later if your starting quarterback is not getting the job done. I mean, I've 
I'm sure that you ignored this group message, but you know, a somewhat different but very similar conversation I had with Carlos. You know, he was talking about getting the number one pick, and okay, look, if you're the Bears and you get the number one pick, and Justin Fields continues to look the way he does, how do you not take a quarterback? You know, and. I will not sit here and say that the Bears have put Justin Fields in a good position, but if you end the season with three wins in a 17-game season, when you had an entire offseason to kind of up your game and all that stuff, like that guy might not be the guy to lead your franchise for the next 15 years. Yeah, I saw that this conversation happened over the weekend but i so i mute all group chats on my phone yes i hate group <laughs> chats fucking hate them and so i just looked down at my phone randomly on sunday and it's like you have 42 text messages and i was like <laughs> <laughs> not reading those i, I kind of like skimmed over it briefly i was like what the hell is going on in here and i saw it was like this big argument about fields and i was like nope nope no thanks i'm not not touching that one yeah before we move on to random thoughts from Week four of the NFL season. I want to play a quick game of Would You Rather with you, quarterback edition. We played a little bit last week, but. Uh, yeah, real quick, just to clarify, uh, this isn't just like me pointing at Justin Fields either. Like every quarterback from last year's draft class, other than Mac Jones, is also in that boat of you need to prove yourself. So. Yeah, it's another another tough week. For all of those quarterbacks. I mean, Mac was out. Mm-hmm. Wilson came back off the injury, so I'm going to give him some more time still. Yeah. Uh, Lawrence mean, came he, back down to earth a little bit. Yeah. I mean, Wilson, while yes, he you know, just came back and did throw two picks, he also did lead the game-winning drive. So, yeah, there's something there, at least. But, like, you've got to play 60 minutes as quarterback. You can't just play at the end of the game. All right, who would you rather start or who would you rather have from a quarterback position? Matt Ryan or Carson Wentz? Oh, God. I guess I'll go Matt Ryan. Dak Prescott or Cooper Rush? I'm going to... Weirdly enough, I'm going to go Cooper Rush here. Here's a doozy for you. Jared Goff or Matt Stafford? <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, honestly, with what we have, I would I would take Stafford. Uh, I have some random thoughts on the Rams um, that we'll get into later. Some but, r- some random thoughts. Yeah, I with the running game the Lions have and the kind of protection that we're giving and how good Amon Ra has been, there's a lot of guys who would look really, really good in that offense right now. So Yeah, fair enough. I just wanted to see if I could get you to bite. Uh, one more. Who would you rather have, Emma Watson or Sarah Chalk? I mean, you know I got to support my scrubs love. So it's got to be Sarah Shock. Yeah, I've been rewatching Scrubs. Who is your celebrity crush? I don't think I know this. Uh, 
I mean, I don't really know if I really have one. I guess I don't think about that very often. My celebrity crush has been the same since I was 13 years old. No joke. The Hillary Duff. <laughs> Got the, the candle still burning for you, baby. All right. I mean, if I had to pick one right now, it would probably be Natalie Portman. That rap is still, it, it ages well. What you want, Natalie? To drink and fight. All right. Random thoughts from week four of the NFL season. Brought to you by me having too many white claws this weekend. Random thought number one, the NFL continues to be the least responsible league slash business that we have ever seen. Yep. So the Tua situation got really out of hand. Uh, I was proud of us because we talked about this last week before it happened. And I feel like we yeah. were one of like the very few outlets that talked about this before Thursday night. But Tua got put back into a game a week ago from this past Sunday that he never should have been put back into. He clearly no. had a concussion. They put him back in. He never goes into concussion protocol during the week. And he starts Thursday and re-damages his brain, gets another concussion on one of the most horrific concussions that we've seen. The way that his hands were mangled in front of his face. I, oh, yeah, I see. I was going to, throw up and cry for him at the same time. I felt so bad for him that he was in yeah. the response to this horrific thing that we all saw on Thursday night was that the NFL is putting some new rules in place that any player who might have a concussion cannot come back in the game, like legally can't come back in the game, uh, which I guess is the right thing to do. But, you know, 15 to 20 years too late. Yeah. And then the one doctor, one independent doctor, and they made ESPN and all the other outlets and Adam Schefter and all the guys made mm -hmm. sure to really hammer home the fact that he was independent and not part of Miami's yeah. medical staff was fired. And this is yeah. just like the lack of accountability being taken by the Dolphins in the NFL. It's not doesn't surprise me in the least, but it does sicken me that this dude's life is like potentially ruined or altered. Yeah. Because all the research says that like where you really get into trouble with mental damage is when you get a second concussion before the first one is fully healed. Like that's when it gets really bad and really scary. Uh, and it just seems like there's nobody significant is going to be punished here. It seems like there's there's going to be no punishment for Miami. The NFL is just going to kind of sweep this under the rug and be like, okay, well, this one doctor missed something. He's fired. And he wasn't associated with this anyway, so who cares? When this is very clearly, like, I just listed the whole thing with Tua. You know, he got put back in the game. He never went into concussion protocol. He started Thursday night only four days after his concussion. Those are all very clear decisions by the entire like coaching staff, front office, ownership of the Miami Dolphins. Everyone was aligned with that or else it wouldn't have happened. And they all need to be held accountable. And I think that the Miami Dolphins should be made an example of. I don't know. I don't think there's a punishment that I would say is too severe at this point. Like Doc Picks, I'm good with that. Millions of dollars, good with that. People get suspended, fired. I'm good with all that, but you need to do something if you're the NFL.
You can't sweep this under the rug. Yeah, I mean, I'm not expecting anything significant to happen. Uh, And I think the thing that disgusts me the most about it is that I get the, like, win now imperative and they probably, there was pressure from the team certainly to get him back in the game that day. But the thing is, is that there was an entire medical staff that worked with him the entire week after that. And nobody took a hard line stance to say, this guy cannot play. He never even went into the protocol. Yeah. For people who had a concussion. They they, they said he hurt his back. They said he hurt his back. They They never had a concussion. They damn well knew he had a concussion and they were just hoping that he would be fine by the next game. You know, his life is never going to be the same because of that. Like, yeah, I've never had that kind of situation, but I know that like the concussions that we sustain, even just from practice, like my mental processing is not the same as it was back then right right so like what he's dealing with is way more severe than any of that and his life certainly will be altered because of that you could sit here and say you know like well he also probably wanted to play he he was part of that decision making you can't make that decision when you are concussed yep my mom's conspiracy theory is that he's actually like not with the team and that he's on a ventilator somewhere in Ohio. And like, you know, it's a conspiracy theory and he's probably okay. But like, also the fact is that that could be realistic. That really is what could have happened to him or could still happen to him with the brain damage that he's sustained. And it's, it's really sad that anybody would be put in that position just to win a football game, but that's, yeah. that's the nature of the beast. No major red flag went off for me when, that game wasn't even over. <laughs> and uh, uh, I had to flip him off. The uh, laughing is... I, it's funny because yeah. the visual gags are just for us. Matt said major red flag, so I saluted him and he flipped me off. That's where the laughing's coming from. But uh, that game wasn't even over after they took to a to the hospital and they were already talking about releasing him from the hospital. That's a huge red flag for me. That doesn't sound like something that a hospital would do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I have never worked in a hospital. I cannot confirm that, but that sounds wrong. Yeah. I So it's, it's a sad situation overall. And I also like, I just want to bring this up before we go on to the next random thought. All of the like ESPN slappies, like the, you know, they're all out on Twitter talking about like concussions and stuff like that. And then last night during Monday Night Football, a fan runs onto the field and gets absolutely leveled by Bobby Wagner, who is a huge NFL athlete in full pads. And everybody on Twitter, like the Mina Kimes and the like Stephen A. Smiths and all the ESPN slappies are all like laughing about it. And they're like, oh, it's so funny. Watch this guy got jacked up like blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Like that. So just because a fan runs onto the field, that makes him fair game to just do whatever the fuck you want to him. Yeah. Like, 
Bobby Wagner could have like seriously injured or even like killed that guy. And yeah. everybody's just like, we just saw what happened to Tua with the concussion. And now this random fan could have got a concussion. And I know he's not supposed to be out there, but like, I, I think it's like extremely tone death of everybody to just be like, oh yeah, like that's funny. But the Tua thing's not like, we got to be really serious about the Tua thing. I don't yeah. know. It re- really bothered me when I saw that. I was just like, man. Yeah. No, I'm I'm with you on that. I I don't like the thought that people have where it's just like, well, this person did something wrong, so therefore overwhelming force is a justified way to address it. Like right. that well, should be the absolute last resort and there is no way that Bobby Wagner needed to absolutely deck that kid. Yeah, I, I brought up Mina Kimes specifically because I actually really like her and really respect her. Yeah, I, I was know. like I'm, really disappointed in her response. Yeah. yeah. All right, next random thought. This has kind of been building for a while now. And I think the trade last year kind of covered it up for a little bit. But the NFL is entirely on to Sean McVay and he is no longer this like schematic savant he is no longer on the same level as someone like shanahan or you know even uh matt lafleur in green bay right yeah or Uh, mike mccarthy down in dallas um no (laughs) (laughs) no matt patricia up in new england i mean sean mcveigh i don't know what he thought was going on with his team coming into the season, but I had concerns about their offensive line heading into last season. Their offensive line has been horrific this year. And it's not just in terms of pass protection, uh, which we all know that if if you can't protect the quarterback, whether mobile or not, they're going to look pretty rough, but you got a quarterback in his mid thirties who was never a runner. He, you know, had some athletic ability, but he was never a runner. And now you've put him in a position where he has to run for his life or get sacked. Um, But they can't run block for shit at all. Like, that was his thing, right? The whole, from the moment he came onto the scene was, man, he can steam up an incredible running game. But could he? Or did he just have Todd Gurley? I was just going to say, was it one of those cases of, well, sometimes you just have Todd Gurley. Yeah. Maybe Jared Goff's a little better than people gave him credit for. Yeah. I mean, honestly, like, am I entirely sold on Jared Goff as a franchise quarterback? No. But, like, Jared Goff is a more than competent NFL starting quarterback because he is leading the highest scoring offense in the NFL. Am I completely sold on Jared Goff of the fran- as the franchise quarterback of my fantasy team? You're <laughs> goddamn right I am. Let's ride, Jared. Yeah, but Fucking it's just, go. Like there's just been these red flags popping up over time and you know, then this offseason they they decide to trade away Robert Woods who was kind of the glue guy of their offense. Everyone loves to talk about Cooper Cup and how he'll block, but like 
Robert Woods, he was the dude who had that dog in him. Like, <laughs> and they traded him away for a sixth round pick and then went and spent a ton of money on Allen Robinson, who, you know, I, I admittedly expected to have a much better start this season than he has. And that has been a very empty transaction. And they just look lost. And if they didn't have Aaron Donald on the other side, like, I don't know that they would have a win. I'm like 95% sure we're going to do a huge segment on the podcast next week about players who do and do not have that dog in them. Oh, 100%. <laughs> that's that's, that's going to be the entire podcast. That's coming up. We're going to do like the top 10 players who have that dog in them. Or I said it wrong. We're going to do the top 10 players who got that dog in them. Uh, my next random thought, I'm going to quote Jay-Z, one of the greatest rappers of all time. Moral victories are for minor league coaches. I'm not going to spend a ton of time on this because we kind of mentioned the Pats at Lambeau earlier, uh, but I, I'm disappointed in my fellow Pats fans. I understand that, you know, we're not that great this year and that like we showed a lot in Lambeau and that the young guys were pretty good and we, we had a good game with Zappy and all that. We lost the game. I don't know if like a lot of the other Pats fans I interact with on Twitter understand that, but you lost. And no matter how much we showed or like, oh my God, the young guys look good, blah, blah, blah. Like, yeah, I understand. Not all losses are made the same. Losing by 50 is a lot worse than like losing a close one by a field goal in overtime. But come on, man, fucking lost. Like, yeah, act like it. I think like Pats fans are just like so. I don't know. I think they're just so lost of like how to feel where they're just like, oh, you know, we had a good run. It's fine that they're just kind of fine with anything right now. And I can't blame people for feeling that way after winning six Super Bowls. But I will never be happy with a loss. I'm never going to like watch the Pats lose a game and be like, that was fun. That's it. That was it. Yeah. And I, I talked about the punt. We did that against the Bucks last year, too, where we could have won that game if we didn't punt away. Uh, and it's just the Patriots are just wholly too conservative for me in so many situations, and it drives me insane. I never want to lose a game by like leaving a club in the bag, you know? And it's, it's just a hard way to lose because you sit there thinking like, man, like, well, I could have done this and that could have worked out. It would have been a risk. But like, if it works, we win. I mean, that was the whole thing with the Lions against Minnesota, right? And I feel that way with my fantasy team every week. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I have a feeling that's your next random thought. I might touch on it. Yeah, but it's just... I don't know when when you lose, like you can acknowledge the positives that occurred in that game, but you're right, like it's a loss. Don't try to make the loss a positive. Like there are individual things that happen within a game that are positive and negative. A loss is never a positive, and a win is never a negative. Yeah. 
you know, you're the you're the worst team. You're on the road. You got a chance to put this one away. Just like go for it. It drives me crazy. Uh, what's your next random thought? I'm exhausted with the refs trying to make their impact on a game. It's so fucking obnoxious. And I've already said my piece about, you know, the Lions game. And honestly, like outside of that, like I, there are definitely other things that happened in that game, but I'm not going to like admit, I'm not taking too much of an issue with it because it's par for the course with the Lions. What I did take issue with was the first game on Sunday in London where they called defensive pass interference on Marshawn Lattimore as the ref is standing there in perfect position to see everything that happens as Adam Thielen is grabbing his face mask and like twisting his head. And I get it. Like Lattimore was getting pretty handsy, pretty physical. You could you could call pass interference based on what he was doing. But you also can't not call pass interference on Thielen for, or, you know, call illegal use of hands to the face or face mask on Thielen when he is doing that. And in that situation, you have two choices. You either throw both flags or you call a no, you just make it a no call. With defensive pass interference being a spot foul, foul, like making that call is you choosing to decide the game. Like that to me should be something that immediately gets a ref fired is if they make a call that is very questionable, but it clearly determines the outcome of a game, like they should no longer be a ref because you cannot have people whose questionable motives determining a game. Have you watched the Tim Donahue untold documentary on Netflix yet? No, because I feel like I will throw things at the TV if I watch it. Yeah. First of all, take all the things that you could throw out of your living room out and then watch it. It's phenomenal. Uh, I highly recommend that anybody who hasn't seen it, go on Netflix, watch it. It's untold the Tim Donahue story. But I watched that on a plane when I went to South Carolina earlier this month and I was like, now I just think everything is rigged. Yeah. <laughs> it's like every game's rigged. They're all rigged. I've always been so frustrated when people would just say like, no, like refs don't rig games. Like the NFL wouldn't do that. And so why, why would like, first of all, we know how much shitty stuff the human race does like they're constantly doing terrible things why do we think that the nfl which is totally on board with sexual assault and domestic violence would like draw the line at rigging a game the nfl basically just sacrificed yeah. Tua for thursday night football rating, right so i <laughs> don't think i would put much past them i i'm not like a bumper sticker fan but if if there are people out there who who are selling like the NFL rigs games bumper stickers, let me know because I will buy that shit and I will probably just post them all over town. I'll get a mock-up done for our uh, apparel store. Yeah. (laughs) Our swag store on Patreon. 
my last random thought is just advice to just trust your gut when it comes to gambling and fantasy sports. Um, so I had an okay gambling week this week. I, I didn't win a ton. I did. I won, but not a ton. It could have been more. And one of the reasons it wasn't more was because I talked myself out of some of the bets I wanted to make. Um, so I really liked Atlanta was plus money at home against Cleveland. And I was like, ah, I don't know. I talked myself out of that. Could have had that one. Could have had a couple other ones. Uh, my week could have been a lot worse too, but I talked myself into betting on Tulane over Houston on Friday. Uh, kind of like last minute. I was like, ah, I'm going to watch this game and I want to have a reason to root for somebody. And I, I had been wanting to bet Tulane for like a couple days. And so just like, just trust yourself. Like, don't, you know, stop with the stupid parlays. Don't do like the four legs and the whole, you know, everybody, everybody I talk to about gambling sends me their parlays that they're doing. <laughs> I'm like, that's a loss. And they're like, how is this a loss? I'm like, cause it's a fucking parlay. So it's a loss. <laughs> Anything over two legs, you've already lost. Trust me. <laughs> hey, we I think we hit like a four-legger once. I hit two four-baggers on back-to-back days. Yeah. Earlier this summer. Uh, I haven't hit one since, I'll tell you that. Yeah, I think it was last year. I think it was like a college football one that we, like, we went in on that one together. And we we hit it. But like it was on like some crazy shit that like that was it was the game that North Carolina won like sixty five to sixty four. We had like yeah. North Carolina money line. Yeah, and they were down by like thirty, and you're like, I hate you for talking me into this. <laughs> I was like, it's not <laughs> too late. Yeah, I remember that. And we we're just like, we won it, but we didn't feel good about it. It was like a very yeah, stressful it was day. it was very dirty. It yeah. was a very hard night's work on the corner. Yeah. So let me just tell you that if you're betting parlays and you like bet more than two legs, you've already lost. <laughs> Even if you win, you've lost. And then like fantasy football too. So Matt and I played this week. Matt beat me by two, two points. And earlier in the day, like I guess like a couple days prior, I had texted yeah. you and told you that I was going to start Miles Sanders because I wanted to beat you with your own guys that you liked. Didn't follow through on my threat and I paid for it because Miles Sanders was incredible. Yeah. He will be starting every week in perpetuity. (laughs) But my gut feel thing was more like on Sunday morning, I was looking at it and I was like, "Ah, I kind of want to play DK Metcalf against the Lions instead of Drake London against the Browns. Uh, And I was like, you know what, Adam, you tinker too much. You've already lost a game this year because you tinkered too much. So stop tinkering. Just let it go. It'll be fine. It was not fine. Drake London put up two. DK Metcalf put up 18. Also, can I just say, like, fuck Najee Harris and fuck James Conner in particular. They combined for five carries from five yards and in and didn't punch it in. I Oh, my God. I hate fantasy football. Why does Kenny Pickett have two rushing touchdowns coming off the bench and (laughs) Najee Harris can't get into the fucking end zone? yeah here's the thing though adam you didn't lose because you played drake london although the fact that you were relying on a uh receiver to get the ball from why am i blanking uh marcus Mariota to get you points is concerning 
but uh especially one also, that i don't like i didn't even like drake london in the draft i don't know i don't know why he's on my fantasy team or why he's, he's in my he's starting had lineup. some pretty good moments though yeah no well that's the thing is i started him yeah. last week and it paid off so yeah like he's he's showing why he is closer to you know Mike Evans than he is the Mike Williams. Yeah, Drake London um, and I are in a fight right now. I know he doesn't know this, but we're feuding. I'm so yeah. mad. You get two fucking points. Come on. However, what you did, what why you did lose was because you pussied out and you didn't start Miles Sanders. Mm. And like, it was legitimately like all my guys. It was like Herbert Sanders, uh, Goff, Goff, um, obviously London. You said, I know, uh, you know, and, know, and he was the only one who didn't go off. Like everyone else had a good game. I know everyone else was really good. That's the problem. If I would have put Sanders in for one of my bum ass running backs, like Connor and Harris, yeah, who come on, the whole point of Connor and Harris being NFL players is that they're big and they can get the tough yards, and yeah. you just can't fucking do it. You had five chances and all you needed to do was one and you let Kenny Pickett punch it in and you let Kyler Murray, who was like the size of my dog, punch it in. <laughs> Bullshit. But yeah, no, I should have just done it because then even if I lost, I could have just blamed you and been like, hey, they were your guys. You sabotaged. Yeah, them. but they went off and you lost because you didn't play them. And they all went off, meaning I am the superior talent talent evaluator. So I just don't get those guys in fantasy. So it's really hard for me to argue with you right now. I feel this week, this upcoming week of NFL football is going to be a pivotal moment in the history of this podcast because Matt beat me last week and now we play each other <laughs> in another league this week. And the Lions play the Patriots this weekend. Yeah. If the Lions win and I beat him in fantasy, that actually might be our last episode. I may not show up next week. <laughs> it may just be Matt. Yeah. Brutal. If I, I can't go 0 for 3, I got to get at least one, preferably two. Miles Sanders will be in my starting lineup this weekend. I have him <laughs> in both leagues. Trust that. You know who's not going to be in my starting lineup this weekend? Drake London. Drake, no, Najee, I can't get two fucking yards, Harris, but Kenny Pickett can. I hate this. I hate fantasy sports. They're stupid. Uh, is there a, maybe not necessarily like off the radar player, but like, like a back half of the draft guy that you didn't get, but you kind of liked and they're. They've, they've done some things that you're trying to, to buy low on as the season goes by. Yeah, I don't... It's not too much, like... I feel like it's so hard to buy low. Yeah. Because people, like, especially in our leagues, people value their own guys so much that I like, get so hard. So I actually right. proposed a trade to someone this past week uh, where I was going to trade for Javante Williams. I wanted, like, Javante oh. Williams and... Uh, AJ Brown from him. Oh, you dashed a bullet. <laughs> I I know. So I was trying to put a package together. I sent my initial offer was admittedly like way lower than what those guys were worth. And right. so instead of a counter offer, I got an email being like, what's wrong with you? Uh, 
like I'm not stupid. Trent and I are making fun of you for even offering that. And then <laughs> Devontae tore his ACL, so jokes on you, assholes. I feel like just because Trent was laughing at me too, that's why Javante Williams tore his ACL. Yeah, oh for sure. That that one's on Trent. Trent tore his ACL. That's one hundred percent. Absolutely. Uh yeah. I'll I'll give you like a couple names of guys that you could probably buy low on in your leagues right now. Um I think Kenneth Walker is still interesting. I don't think there's any way Rashad Penny makes it through the season healthy, and I just think yeah. Kenneth Walker is like good at football. Uh he's been dropped yeah. multiple times in our league. He's just sitting out there. Yeah. Right now. Um yeah, I mean, I think Derek Carr is still like a good choice. Hunter Renfro, maybe something, mm-hmm. you know, someone you could buy a little bit low on in that offense. Yeah. They seem to start like they're kind of coming around a little bit. Yeah. Um, maybe Jacoby Myers could be a good pickup. But I mean, yeah. when I'm thinking buy low, I'm thinking more like earlier round guys. And it just yeah. everybody's seems like everybody's been so disappointing so far. Yeah. I mean, I think I'm not doing it, but I think that most people who drafted Alvin Kamara are probably panicking right now. So if you do not have Kamara, it's probably worth taking their read on what he's worth right now. Because if it's it's lower than you expected, then you should probably go get him. Uh, He's Alvin Kamara. Eventually he's going to, you know, have his big games. George Pickens, just as the season goes on. Uh, maybe not going to turn into like full blown wide receiver one, but he's gonna he's gonna put up some numbers at some point just because that offensive line is so bad, and I feel like the only thing that Kenny Pickett can rely on in the passing game with an offensive line so bad is bucket. George Pickens down there somewhere and he doesn't even need like a full hand to make a catch. Yeah. Actually, like if I was looking at by low guys, I would look at offenses who have struggled that you think are, you know, could maybe take off. So I actually think I would probably buy low on guys like Deontay Johnson, George Pickens. I think it, this may be wishful thinking, but even like Najee Harris to a degree, just because I think, the offense is going to be better with Kenny Pickett. Yeah. Down the road, even if it takes a couple weeks. Um, you know, I mentioned the Raiders guys. I think that that offense could kind of pick up. I don't think anybody's trading you like a first two round running back right now uh, to get guys, but like, you know, look at someone like Cam Akers, look at someone uh, yeah, like DJ Moore, maybe. Like, there, there's a couple guys I think that are out there, but. Um, I do trades in our leagues are like, yeah, impossible. I mean, we we just trade amongst ourselves. It's just you and me. <laughs> right. Flip you. Yeah. Flip you. Like, Cam Akers is just riding my bench. Cause I hope that I can get something out of him eventually. But like, I have real legitimate concerns about the offensive line play and like the actual run offense that is being run right now and I'm not like ready to trade him right now but if I was given an offer of something that had some 
functional value for me, I'd be forced to think about it. I'm going to keep that in mind. Yeah, I guess my only my last piece of advice is like if you can pick up any backup running backs to elite guys. Yeah. Maybe like you make a trade for Alexander Madison right mm -hmm. now. I mean, he's actually been pretty good even with Dalvin Cook playing, but like those are the yeah. kind of guys I would also look into. Like I mentioned Kenneth Walker. Um yeah. there's a couple other guys out there where if like you go can pick get up the Jamal backup. Williams too. Like mm -hmm. that's that's a good move. Because as much as I love DeAndre Swift, he does have a little bit of propensity to get banged up. Um, maybe not like miss, you know, six, seven games at a time all the time. But, you know, if you get Jamal Williams as RB1 for two games here, there, but he's still like, a core part of a run first offense and gets the majority of the goal line touches like that's pretty valuable i would say yeah i like it uh but that is it for us as always fouled out can be found on spotify apple podcast pocketcast overcast anywhere you get your podcast you can hit us up on twitter at fouled out sports you can find matt on twitter at matador underscore defense and you could go check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash fouled out. Got a couple great podcasts up that you can get access to for just $3 a month, less than you pay for a cup of coffee. And I know, I know you guys are out there buying coffee all the time from Starbucks with like fancy shit in it. That's like six, seven dollars. You yeah. can get multiple months of the podcast for that. So go check it out. You coffee sluts. Mm. Uh, Matt, you got any final thoughts before we sign off? Uh, I'm still mad at Jose, but you know what? I love him and we're going to work this out. We're going to get him on here and work it out on the podcast. Goodbye, low candidate right now. Jose Calderon. <laughs> get him for, get him for a dance. All right, my friend, I will, uh, I will see you soon. Yep. Later. All right. Bye guys. Bye, Rob. Bye, mom. <laughs>